0: Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? You know this one? No, I do not. In case they get a hole in one. (laughs) Dad jokes of all dad jokes. Dads were included in the dad joke. Welcome to the Unfiltered Underdogs Podcast, episode three?
1: That's not good when we can't count to three as financial advisors. Trace? Uh, yeah, so we got our intro, we got our salary cap, and not salary cap, uh, the NFL draft, draft and now the salary cap. So um, how are we connecting the salary cap um, to the world of finance, Joey? So we're going to take a look at some of the professional league salary
0: caps, we're hitting the major four, MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, and um, just how they are capped with their salaries for players and connecting it to... Individual personal budgets, or lack thereof, for most people.
1: Oh, good, because I was also thinking you were talking about lack of budgets and spending by most organizations, like Major League Baseball. Major League <laughs> Baseball. No cap. Or, or uh, I don't know, the English Premier League or any other soccer league, which is, I understand isn't one of the four major sports, but um, those nut jobs just spend and spend and spend. <laughs> um, so... You all probably have people in your lives, so we'll, we'll, we'll describe a few people uh, in terms of budgets, uh, people who spend, people who save, and you'll be like, I have a family member like that. Well, just realize there's a sports team out there for you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why don't you first discuss kind of what is entailed in a budget? Let's start with the basics just so people have, a I guess, at least a fundamental understanding of how we're going to equate a budget um, to a salary cap
0: so looking more so towards a, a monthly budget looking at if you pay rent you got a mortgage obviously you got to pay that and kind of separating your needs from your wants so groceries rent utilities any types of insurance you might have childcare expenses and breaking that down and, and also adding in some wants so some entertainment money you go out on dates with your your spouse whatnot subscription services um, gifts travel all that so breaking that down to a monthly budget which will allow you to then save up, start investing some money, making sure that you're saving more than you're spending.
1: Yeah, and I think you could take each one of those categories and kind of drill down more specifically. Um, If need be, we can probably have a future podcast on that because I know you can get into, um, at least on the entertainment section, you can probably create 10, 15 subcategories. But more importantly, I think when it comes to a budget, Uh, the most fundamental thing to understand is you're tracking all of the expenses and not just the monthly expenses, tracking um, quarterly, semi-annual, and annual payments. And even if you're dividing those to create monthly expenditures, just realize what your entire outlay of expenses are throughout an an annual uh, budgeting year.
0: Absolutely. I think it's important to start with the monthly just because sometimes I feel like when people think they do it yearly, they just kind of forget to do it every month and then Bills start adding up, you're in debt, and then it's just a snowball effect from there.
1: Oh yeah, and I, I would probably use a tool if you're not accustomed. I know we, we've got members who use Excel, we've got people who use Mint, some that use our own software, Write uh, Capital, um, even those who are Dave Ramsey who do the envelope strategy, no credit cards, whatever floats your boat, whatever, you, as long as you have a system. Uh, it The hardest to deal with is I think one of the f- very first members I ever had brought me a shoebox of receipts over like the last six months and said can you help me make uh, uh sense of this and i kind of was like we're in for a long haul because this is going to take uh, not just an hour it's going to take uh, days to kind of sift through and kind of figure out but we got that person up and running um that was uh an experience i'll never forget and kind of hit home as to why uh i'll always have a budget because i never wanted to feel that lost uh uh, that that poor individual did and at that moment in time. Why don't you describe what the envelope method is? Some people, some listeners may not know what that is. That's a good point. So um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be the biggest fan of the envelope strategy, uh, but because uh, I am I do have a philosophy on understanding and thinking that credit is a good thing, uh, it can be used for a very bad thing. So if you're the type of individual out there that might not handle credit cards or not seeing the the cash being spent um versus what you actually have uh the envelope strategy is a very good strategy basically what you're doing is you're saying i'm getting paid x number of dollars and then you are rationing that out and putting that cash essentially into envelopes so those envelopes essentially quote unquote uh go with you so if you put 500 dollars in the envelope uh the entertain entertainment envelope Once you run out of money, you're out of money. So if you're done spending that by um, the third day of the month, well, you've got another 27, 28 days, unless we're talking February, a few less there, but uh, for most months, uh, you're out in that first week, you've got at least three more weeks to go before you get uh, entertainment dollars replenished, essentially, so it's, it's a way to make sure people do not overspend, and it's a visual concept that allows people the ability to tangibly possess the money and, and have them understand exactly what's available, how much is available to them, and more importantly, when is the time to cut yourself off and stop spending.
0: So Some people might think that's extreme, but we all have different relationships with money and we all use money differently, so some people might need that to be able to kind of figure out
1: how they're saving, just to kind of
0: see it visually.
1: I mean, it's a great place to start if you don't have a budget and you're the one who has a propensity to spend and spend and spend um, until you've basically created a much more, I would say a better relationship. I think you put it well. Uh, uh, We all have different relationships with money. And once you have a uh, a better understanding of what you spend and that relationship with money, has grown over time i think you can eventually move away from such strategy but until you are comfortable with that and some might never be comfortable with which is okay but until you are i think you have to find that strategy uh that works for you some are uh like we've got one member that does it has a budget i think going back to the existence of excel whenever the hell excel was created and i believe in the late 80s um i could be wrong about that but i just know that it's He's been using Excel longer than I've probably been using a computer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, and I can say this confidently, I don't think that Jerry Jones uses the envelope method.
1: <laughs> um, well, he's getting up there in age, so um, if he's losing his mind, maybe uh, maybe he is. But, True. Uh, no, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, when you have that kind of cash and wanting to understand credit. I, I really hope the owner of the Dallas Cowboys isn't using <laughs> a, uh envelope method. I, I think his players would appreciate a lot more if like, hey, please don't put our money in cash on your table. You put it in Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> well, there's one player out there who wants it in Bitcoin, but it's not cup, tangible. Cup it's hard Dubai. to put Bitcoin into an envelope. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so kind of getting back to the salary caps now that we kind of segued into it. So, for you youngsters out there, I guess, there was a time when teams would own players for their entire career, something we're not accustomed to even thinking about
1: nowadays. And it's not just own. I think you have to understand, I mean, there are, there are many players, not many, there are still some players, I should say, I should rephrase that more accurately, there are still some players that opt to stay with the same franchise um, for as long as they're in the league, whatever league that may be, I mean... Uh, I'm a diehard Houston Astros fan, and Craig Biggio was a lifelong Astro, and so was Jeff Bagwell. Uh, but that was by choice. The free agency was available to them, and they opted to stay by choice. with the organization by choice. What we're referring to is prior to the salary caps and free agency as we know it, uh, you were drafted by a team. Well, congratulations. Uh, you're not changing jerseys unless they trade you.
0: Right, and we love team. we love the loyalty when players can opt out, can choose to opt out, but they choose not to. We're talking about prior to salary caps, teams literally own the rights of the players for the duration of their career, um, essentially monopolies in itself, yeah. um, and controlled how much they could pay them. So why am I gonna give someone a raise when I know they can't leave? Yeah. So looking back to when they first started the NBA, 84, 85, um, they abolished the reserve clause that we were alluding to earlier. Um, Yes. And um, salary cap back then, $3.6 How many NBA players now have a salary <laughs> higher than the salary cap in 84, 85? We
1: should look it up, or what's the league minimum? Depends if it's like a rookie or a vet. Well, let's go with someone who's already tested the free agency waters, meaning it's their post um, that draft period. Um, we got Walker looking it up. All right. The <laughs> current minimum is $2.5 all right. So the minimum to the is two and, and a half minutes.
0: <laughs>
1: that just shows you what inflation can do. <laughs>
0: yes. And now in 2021, salary cap in the NBA is $109 million. So a soft cap with a luxury tax system. Josh, um, you want to talk about that, what that means, a soft cap?
1: Uh, yeah. So a soft cap is basically, this is a, <laughs> most people would say this is an elitist way of circumnavigating a, a salary cap, essentially no longer is the salary cap a hard cap. Uh, you can go above and beyond that, um, and if you do, um, you as the owner have to pay a percentage of what you've gone above and beyond, um, which is called the luxury tax. So I, I more know this luxury tax. I'm more familiar with it when it comes to Major League Baseball, even though there isn't quite a, a salary cap, but there is that soft cap per se, uh, which was put in for a more of a competitive balance. And George Steinbrenner. Um, Notorious for just blowing through whatever threshold was ever set, and just like no, I'm going to buy championships. And I know many Yankees fans out, Yankee fans out there will probably hate me for saying this, but um, I think when they played the Marlins in '97 and the Marlins beat them, I think it was probably the largest discrepancy between two teams to face off in a World Series for payroll ever. Um, although that might have been challenged when the Rays lost the World Series. Um, Think in 2015 to the Royals um, but I, I just know there was a huge discrepancy so if like let's just say the soft cap was 200 million in Major League Baseball and George Steinbrenner spent 220 million he would pay obviously the 20 million to the players in the salary but he'd have to pay Major League Baseball a percentage in a luxury tax above and beyond that um so that luxury cap is definitely set by each and every league. That soft cap is also set by uh, each league and it's I think it's always changing. It's always it's being adjusted for inflation and other metrics as well.
0: What's well, interesting talking about the Yanke- Yankees, cuz it looks like the Red Sox has surpassed that threshold in MLB more than anybody else.
1: That wouldn't surprise me of late. Um, Theo Epstein was very good at knowing when to spend money. Um I mean, and they definitely had some individuals that were costly and David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez that took up large portions of those payrolls. But if you had a chance, let's try to look that up. I I really want to kind of see what the 97 Marlins payroll was uh, versus the 97 Yankees payroll. Um, Although regardless of payroll, that that 98, 99, and 2000 championships by the Yankees were still probably some of the best teams ever put together. Well, um, they also cost a pretty penny, but I'm pretty sure George, George Steinbrenner appreciated those three, three rings that came with it. So, so well, <laughs> he's got the last laugh.
0: <laughs> well, Walker's looking that up. You could think about the leagues as, as your friends, right? Um, having a soft cap, Marlins, Yankees. 97, yeah. MLB, uh, NBA. You got a monthly budget, but your friends, you you want to spend. You want to go on a nice trip to the Bahamas, whatever. You go over a little bit. Whereas the NFL, you got that one friend that's sticking to his or her budget. They are not going over. They refuse to go over. They will run out of the restaurant if they get close.
1: <laughs> the one that definitely takes the cruise because it's a fine amount of money that they could spend. <laughs> All the way to the life. bottom of the ship. Correct. Giving it a window. So we're looking at a- Wow, that is tiny in comparison to what I thought. Yeah, 12 million dollar gap in '97. I mean, don't get me wrong. Adjusted for inflation, that's pretty big. But at that time, I, I was expecting a much bigger gap between the Marlins and Yankees than 12 million.
2: Unfiltered Underdogs is sponsored by Triangle Transitional Network, also known as TTN, a networking community based out of North Carolina that helps individuals find work through relationships. Go to www.triangletechnet.com to learn more information about the facilitators and upcoming events.
1: Well, that's pretty significant. The Marlins went from 30 to 47, from 96 to, to 97. I mean, they did only come into the league in 93, so um, a, a spending increase was probably expected. The reason I'm kind of more shocked by the $47 million was um, Wayne Heisinga sold the team in 98. Uh, it'd be funny to look up what the payroll was in 98 because that was probably um, dropped off a cliff from the $47 million the year
0: prior. Well, I'm looking at 1967 MLB minimum. Guess what the MLB minimum was in 1967. Watch it be a couple hundred
1: dollars. $6,000. $6,000, wow. That's crazy to think. I mean it is but you still i mean if you adjust that for inflation what does that come out today because i I guarantee you if you look at salaries back in 67 six thousand dollars wasn't a bad salary i mean you want to know something great like teachers only make thirty seven thousand dollars today
0: it's true
1: and i think that's a north carolina average i mean i could be slightly off it might be Although, there's not a teacher out there that's going like, well, there ain't significantly more. So,
0: <laughs> You think adding a hard cap to the MLB would make it more competitive? I mean, I guess that's a question answers itself, but how would fans take I, that? I,
1: I question that because I look at the parity between the four sports, and honestly, Major League Baseball might have the most parity between the four major sports. I mean... If you think about it football probably has the most amount of teams that have made the playoffs in the last decade or two uh, but the New England Patriots have monopolized that those Super Bowls. Which is crazy to do that in a hard cap. And exactly, and which is insane to think that in a hard cap system that one team could do it, which makes it even more impressive, it Really does. Uh, depending on what your qualifications Patriots, of cheating but... are. <laughs> 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 um, God, I'm creating enemies out there between Raiders fans, hey, Patriots as long as fans, listen. <laughs> good thing I'm only giving out my first name. <laughs> um, I, baseball with an uncapped... I At first when I looked at this and I've, I looked at the numbers and was like, all right, Major League Baseball has to have the least amount of parity. Uh, but ironically, I think it's the NBA. Um, In terms
0: of number of teams making... N-
1: I don't know if it's teams make because you also have to take that with a grain of salt because if you think about it, Major League Baseball also has the fewest amount of teams right. that make the postseason. They play the most amount of games with the fewest amount of teams making the postseason where hockey and basketball have the most amount of teams. I think they both, um, I think, what is it, 16? I know the NBA and I'm pretty sure hockey as well has 16 teams that are... I you had to play games
0: often, this year too. For NBA doing playing games. Oh, yeah. So, I,
1: yeah. What was it up to 10 teams? What is, uh is nine or 10 plays seven and nine plays eight for playing? Seven plays eight, nine plays ten. That's odd. Yeah. No, the no. hell would that be a plan? That's it's stupid. Yeah, you can say those words again. I will uh, just
0: say with the NBA, it always felt like for me, and played a lot of basketball, but I just felt like the most talented teams will almost always win in a basketball if everyone's healthy whereas in other games especially in NFL usually most talented team wins but you only got to win one game you get some turnovers you can get lucky
1: you can have a crappy official just talk to the New Orleans Saints (laughs) Um, one call can cost you everything Um, but I go back to the NBA I, I, I do agree when you have a seven game series but that doesn't necessarily pan out as much as people would think in hockey I mean, if you think about it, the format's very much the same. Number of games is very similar in a regular season. Seeding is very similar. Um, There isn't really, I mean, there's a discrepancy between home field advantage in both sports. Um, However, and the playoff format from games home and away are very similar. Uh, But you find hockey, you can find that very likely that an eight seed can upset a one seed. It's not very common, but I've never gone in watching the nba playoffs going this eight team has a chance at hell especially if they're coming out of the east
0: especially right now everyone's <laughs> going on the same team yeah
1: well i think that's another reason why super
0: teams are kind of killing
1: well the super team is killing the parody in the nba but I, I but i think it's even more than that i it's they're doing it for a few reasons because you really have to make a a call on your career as a as a basketball player it's like Like, I'm really surprised LeBron James is still getting max contracts in the NBA, largely because I'd be like, you make so much money on sponsorship. You should be pulling Tom Brady's and going, you know what, pay me league minimum and I'll be just fine. I don't need the other 15 million. I'll make it up with my endorsement deals outside, use that salary cap more wisely. And basically, LeBron James himself could create super teams that are more competitive than any other super team because... That would kill his legacy at that point. Well, that's probably why he hasn't done it, yeah. but um, you are right. You got but, enough haters out there. I, honestly, though, he probably would do it, but he's not gonna. He's probably not gaining that many more haters.
0: As he gets older, maybe he'll add some more players, but he's still good enough. He doesn't need all the stars. He can be the guy still. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is insane because, what is he, 36 years old? Mm-hmm. Crazy. But good for him. Um but I, I still think let's let's go bring this back to the budget and LeBron's a
0: easier five hundred thousand dollars house, picking <laughs> up a lion's share, but all worth it. Yeah, it's a nice house. You put twenty oh. percent down. You got no PMI. <laughs> <laughs> no PMI, great.
1: But let's let's bring this back in terms of the budgets and the salary caps. Um, in terms of what we're really trying to convey here, um, I don't think we can say that one of these salary caps or these structures is clearly more designed for a competitive strategy. I think each organization has created either Major League Baseball, no salary cap, or NBA, um, NHL, or the NFL in that regard. They're not doing it for parity. I think they're doing it from owner's perspective is how can we control the market yes um and and to be honest I do believe a salary cap is more needed in um, the NFL and the NBA than it in Major League Baseball and the NHL and that's simply because you tend to find those two sports with players who have brands who have a way of making money outside of that so the owners have to be realistic where you have to cap what each and individual player can make. And also in the NFL, it's really hard when you compare them versus every other group. It ain't easy to pay 53 people, true. And then you've got and then who knows you've got a practice squad, things like that. I mean, Jesus. coaches, things like I mean, but that doesn't necessarily factor into yeah. the salary cap. What, what factors into the salary cap are the 53 man roster and usually yeah. the 10, Uh, practice squad individuals. Practice squad is still six figures. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, you've got to contain that. that You you can't be having practice squad with million to two million as much as they would enjoy having that. I mean, think about it. (laughs) Imagine if your practice squad and most of those players never seeing uh, the actual field in the NFL. I mean, you've got a couple million dollars, even if they're all at minimum. I mean, that's $6 million right there on your practice squad. Yeah. that that's not chump change <laughs> um that's like you picking up liability insurance <laughs> and saying well I'm gonna cover the liability on my house up to a hundred million dollars uh <laughs> make sure nothing ever happens I'm just gonna waste money
0: <laughs> um so now connecting this to a budget I guess we can start with do you have a hard cap on your budget or a soft cap who are you in this mixture i
1: uh, I would say I go through phases. There are times where I have, a, like earlier on in my life where finances were tighter as I first started my career. Uh, I had a hard cap. That's I, me. I definitely had a hard cap. Uh, yeah. Um, and that hard cap eventually developed into somewhat of a soft cap. I'm still very cognizant of what that hard cap number or that soft cap line that used to be a hard cap number is. Um, but your budget should always be changing because if I'm gonna make more money doesn't mean every single penny is now going towards investments. I might want to increase my lifestyle. Um, life events happen, like I now have a one-year-old. So um, what wasn't factored into the budget before now has to be factored in. And each and every day I figure out what um, another expense that a child brings into this world. So, yeah, if you learn anything
0: <laughs> today, just know this, kids are expensive.
1: <laughs> And that's uh, almost an understatement in itself. Uh, um, So I think the budget can, for certain people, be a soft cap, and I think that's what I've naturally grown into. But definitely, especially the first two years I started this business, um, being in a finance, in order to convey to members that, A, I knew how to budget, even though I had prior experience. I mean, it wasn't just starting, I was a financial advisor prior to starting Family Legacy, but I had to have the discipline. I can't, you can't be out there educating people without that discipline. So in the early stages where income was tight and gaining the first member to the firm, uh, all those things, all hard cap, I would say was a necessity.
0: What would you say to the people out there who are definitely spending too much money? I guess if you were, it'd be generalizing an answer, but where do people need to start looking at the cut? When, if they, if, they're, if they're, they're starting their budget today, they're like, wow, I make twelve hundred dollars a month, but I'm spending eighteen two thousand dollars. Where where do I where do I start cutting?
1: So I I think you gotta first take the income can't be entirely taken out of it, but if you're gonna analyze it, because it's not like the income is obviously a part of it, because that's largely going to generate that hard cap um, in that situation. However to try to be able to look at this with as little emotion as possible. I think the first thing someone has to do is analyze the budget and just realize what they're spending. I would say the majority of people's problem out there is you have a budget or you don't have a budget, I should say. You don't have a budget, but you also don't know how much you spend. That You just threw out a number like, oh, I make 1200 but I spend 1800 And I don't want to look at it in kind of those terms because I bet you the more realistically is regardless of what that income is, and obviously 1200 is low, but you can make that 1200, you can make that 2,500, you can make that 5,000, whatever that number is, or even significantly more, 10, 15,000, even if you're extremely wealthy. Um, And and 10, 15,000 isn't extremely wealthy, but you get my point wealthier where it should be easier to create a hard cap or a soft cap of a budget. I think most people really struggle with the visualization of how much am I spending because when you have bills that come up the hardest thing is we all want to quantify expenses from a monthly perspective but when everybody I I see of this happen a lot most people's first rendition of a budget is here's what I spend and I look at and I go you're missing at least 15 things. And they're like, what are you, nuts? I spent like 20 minutes looking this over going, I've got everything. I was like, well, where's car insurance? They're like, well, I don't pay that monthly. I'm like, just because you don't pay it monthly doesn't mean you don't factor it into a budget. Um, or they're like, hey, I only pay that annually. Or I pay um, or I pay my kids' education, their private um, private school, I pay that during the months of school. like, And then they'll not factor it in. I'm like, well, you still divide it over 12. Um, Or even if you factored over tel- 10 months or eight months or however long school may be, you have to look that you're going to have a natural progression or a higher amount in the months where you have additional expenses. And I think it all comes down to it. That's why Dave Ramsey created the envelopes was largely is because once you look at what you've spent, and you've averaged it month over month in the past, it's easy to stick a certain amount of dollars into an envelope and say, that's it, cut myself off. Once you really show people, I think one of the kind of jaw dropping moments that many members have had that have struggled with budgets is simply the fact is when you're like, oh, I spend $500 on entertainment. And then you're like, well, bring me your credit card statements, bring me your your bank statements and look through it. And I'm like, you're spending 1200 a month. And they're like, no, I'm not. And then they're like, oh, oh, I do buy that. Oh, I do buy that. And they don't realize $10 here, $10 there, 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there. It adds up extremely quickly. And then they realize they themselves can start to eliminate from the budget. They're like, yeah, you know what? I really should cancel that. Um.
2: Unfiltered Underdogs is also brought to you by Family Legacy Financial Solutions. With a 95% retention rate among members, this will be the last introductory meeting you'll ever need to have with a financial advisor. Family Legacy Financial Solutions. Life's journey begins and ends with family. Call 919-379-9000 to set up a complimentary consultation.
1: Subscription. Um, like, honestly, like, I had to tell a friend, I'm like, Dude, you haven't shaved in like four months. You probably don't need a Dollar Shave Club membership. No offense, I like the membership for those who shave, but you don't shave, so um, and, and you you don't realize that it's. I there's a tool out there. I think it's called like Truebill or something like that, where you enter in all the information of. Um, the member or the subscriptions you have I mean everything if you think about it today is subscription based Hulu, Netflix I mean everyone's like oh you gotta go to the subscription base cut the cord well honestly if you go out there and you you get HBO you get Showtime you get ESPN and Disney and the combination with that of Hulu next thing you know you realize you're spending more on all the subscription than you were actually on cable yeah Uh, There's no such thing, in my opinion, anymore of cutting the cord. It's just the cord is no longer a physical cord. They've got your pocketbook somewhere else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So once you start to tally that up and you realize you're not really saving any money because every time a new streaming service comes to light, you end up buying it, you have to really sit down and kind of dissect, well, how many of these do I use? Like, um, do I really need the NFL, MLB, um, Mm MLB? NBA subscription? Do I need, do I need the NBA league pass, the MLB extra innings and NFL Sunday ticket and whatever else out there is, um, there is. And most of the time you'll realize you're like, all right, I probably could do with one, maybe a second, but I probably don't need all three or four. Um, so the visualization I think is the first thing you have to do is really say, give someone to give you a hard number saying, what do you think you spend? and then show them what they actually spend, and then lay out all of the different itemization that you can saying, here's, we're going to talk about entertainment. Here's what you spent, 1200 You thought you spent 500 And you'll be surprised within probably 30 seconds to a minute, someone will probably eliminate 10 to 20 things out of the entertainment section. They're like, yeah, I really don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. But they've grown to a habit because of our society. You mean I can't just swipe a card and get what I want? Correct. Well, you can, if it's someone else's card, you can, but I don't recommend that because <laughs> it's called fraud. 26% interest on it, one or the other. <laughs> and that's the other thing is like, uh, one of the things when it comes to budget that the the mentality, so this doesn't directly correlate to budgets, but something I want to emphasize uh, is the interest rate on credit cards and why that matters is because I think credit can be used as a good thing, but it has to be used responsibly. You can't, if you're capable of paying your credit cards off each and every month, go ahead and take advantage of using the points and and other things and the cash back. However, if you can't get yourself in the habit of paying them off month over month over month, credit cards might not be your best avenue. You might want to use a debit card. You might want to use cash. but you tell me in today's society who uses cash old people and even then it's few and far and, and it's the, he, you say old people but honestly it's those who are skeptical of like um banks and, banks and technology and they're like they, i mean for god bid they, they got your identity already so <laughs> um but those are really the people who use cash but we we've grown up like it's kind of funny i was talking to a friend um and he's like yeah and it's He's my age, but his sister, um, dad remarried, uh, had another kid uh, about half his age and couldn't believe it, but he's talking to his uh, stepsister and she, he's like, yeah, um, how much cash do you need? And she's like 13, 14 years old. Maybe he's a little bit younger than me. And he was like, um, she's like, what's cash? Oh the hell do you mean what is cash? <laughs> and she's like, no, and he's like, ask her what her social security number. She couldn't tell you that, but she could tell you all 16 digits on her Discover card. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's society. And I, I don't necessarily want to say it's right but or wrong. I think too many people are, you create bad habits because most people aren't taught the proper utilization of how to use credit, why it's available, how to build credit responsibly and i think our natural um impression for those who teach financial literacy is to harp on the the bad elements of whether that's credit cards debit cards what other anything other than cash can be looked at as a negative So either you have one of two people, you either have the people who spend and never want to, and who just use it because that's what society tells us to use, or those who contradict it and go all the way to the envelope style, um, because they're, they're, they're petrified, they're, they're fear-based. They're like, this is a bad thing where in reality, like most things, the, it's somewhere, the, the truth lies somewhere in between. And I think that's one of the things that I want to point out, and even when we're talking about salary caps, to be honest, I I would like to do a little bit of due diligence and go back and see um, Super Bowl winners and Major League, and then um, World Series winners and Stanley Cup winners, and um, and all sports, and just kind of figure out the the champions. What was what did their salary cap look like? because if you think about it it would be interesting that like the Marlins won in 97 with a 47 million dollar payroll but where was that was that league minimum or not minimum but was it at the bottom of, of the it was probably right in the middle
0: I mean go look at the when the Oakland A's won when they were playing small ball and where their salary cap was at never
1: won never won a championship oh yeah right um but hey but you got to give the Oakland a- Athletics and Billy Bean a lot of credit because just because something costs more doesn't necessarily mean it's more valuable. And I think that's another important factor when you're looking at a budget is I think that's the perfect way to conceptualize a, let's take the NFL salary cap. Like most people can go name some of their favorite, um, well, I said NBA, I meant NFL um, players and equate that. Like think about it, like Tom Brady, obviously as we know has many super bowl rings but he was wise he was valuable to the to Tampa Bay he was valuable to New England largely cuz he wasn't paid as the top quarterback in the NFL the value in which the organization got for Tom Brady was extreme value you were getting a one of the elite if not the probably the best NFL quarterback ever to live and i don't think there was a year in his career where he ended up being the highest-paid quarterback, I don't. I don't think there was a year. I could be wrong about that, but I know there was. If there was, it was few and far between in his illustrious twenty-plus year career. So, what's a Tom Brady in your budget, in your
0: personal budget?
1: I think it's someone who's. Well, I think let's go to the largest. Uh, I think a quarterback would be the equivalent to a to a mortgage. It's the largest uh, line item, and probably in the budget, and. Honestly, there are many Americans out there that overspend on a house well outside the reach of a budget, not understanding what a debt-to-income ratio is. So to me, you're looking for the Tom Brady of houses. Prime real estate.
0: Yeah. At a good price.
1: Correct. I think that's spot on. I think is you're, you're looking for your... And it doesn't have to just be equating this to Tom Brady. This could be the Dan Marino, the Peyton Mannings, the uh, NFL greats at that quarterback position is that's what you're really looking for, that's your mortgage payment, that's the bread and butter to your budget because what else is gonna surround that? You're gonna have your property taxes, you're gonna be surrounding your your homeowner's insurance, your HOA dues. So finding that right house at that right value in the right area of town. It's your quarterback. Yeah, it's gonna captain the rest of the budget. I don't know many quarterbacks that aren't the captain, or at least on the offensive side of the ball.
0: <laughs> um, Not a winning team.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Um, well, let's talk about other things. What would you? So most people in the United States need a car. What? What? <laughs> is that your running back? <laughs> I, think that, I
0: think that is your running back for sure. For sure, you can buy an old, an old Mercedes or Acura that costs more for the parts, but. Gets beat up a lot and injured all the time, and you end up just spending more money than than you could have got a younger guy to start with.
1: So what you're saying is, and it it doesn't have to be the flashiest. What you're saying is, you can get away with a Honda Civic.
0: You can definitely get away with a Honda Civic. (laughs) Um, It's a long career. It's a a whole career.
1: (laughs) Think about it. I don't think I was just seeing these things go around the internet, and just like I didn't realize how great of a career Frank Gore had.
0: Oh yeah, I know. Mm
1: What he, t- he tore his ACL Both twice ACLs. in 18 months, separated from each other. Yeah, he was. They were still at when he was at the University of Miami. And that's I why they, they. He, he fell to the third alley. round. Yeah, he he was like drafted. the 65th 60 fi- 60 overall pick. Um, it was definitely a third round pick. But think about it. I mean, he, he's got over 16,000 yards. He's, I think he's number three on the all-time rushing. Yep. To me, that is the epitome of a car that just. Doesn't die. It's a it,
0: It's a Honda Civic that they told you wouldn't get up the mountains in the winter time, and it just found its way up every
1: time. <laughs> and, and never, never got fa- stuck. And never failed every, you.
0: Old faithful.
1: Yeah. Um, you look down at the speedometer. And you're like, oh wow. Most people say I'll never get to two hundred thousand miles, and there you are at three hundred thousand miles. It's just, um, but it's an integral part of the budget. I, I mean, <laughs> kind of funny, is, um. What would you equate the wide receivers to? Because I think this is going to be the rally, the more interesting side of this topic.
0: (laughs) Something in your budget that caused a lot of drama. (laughs) Hmm. Maybe that dating scene, the entertainment expense that's wanted but not
1: needed. Um, Or the dating app for the single individuals out there. (laughs) True. (laughs) Tinder plus costs money. (laughs) You actually know that? (laughs) My brother. (laughs) Um. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it just. I mean, you could probably find something to equate to every single NFL position or even major league position, but I think, um, I think the importance to realize is what. Well, so to know, all my, the
0: listeners, I guess the importance is you are the GM of your own life. And like we had talked about earlier, I have friends that could tell you, we have friends that could tell you the salary cap of their favorite NBA team and how much the, the owners are paying certain players, how they don't fit in the overall budget, but have no idea how much they're spending in their budget monthly, yearly, quarterly, whatever the case. Walker's pointing at himself over here. <laughs> so to the listeners out there, if you have this type of enthusiasm for your own personal budgeting, treat it as such that you're treating your own favorite sports team, you'll be able to be better off financially.
1: I think there's a another important factor there to note is not only are you the GM, but you get to determine what positions are the most important. I mean, I know we're sitting here talking about the QB analogy to the mortgage here, but But hey, the 86 of the day, Bears yeah, had a defense. <laughs> if, if that's how you want to build your buddy, a budget, go for it. I mean, because I, I, at the end of the day, because we can also have a disagreement and it's definitely a discussion. I've had this with uh, various friends and family members of, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, for for football, is who's the most important? Like, who would you say is the most important defensive player on on the field? Oh, I've always loved the middle linebacker. Okay, you and I are in a hundred percent agreement, but I got friends out there that say that used to be the case. Because to me, I would love to build a defense around Ray Lewis, mm. and, and finding that equivalent of just like. Whatever the middle linebacker position is to the budget is kind of how I would design a budget. Essentially, like I quarterback. Would Essentially yeah, a it's quarterback. Essentially a quarterback. Yeah. But I would say a lot of people would say today that that's no longer the case because the two things you have to do more effectively is cover in man coverage and get after the quarterback. If you can do those two things, those two things don't generally fall anymore on the middle linebacker.
0: Well, you're playing these quarterbacks that are calling audibles at the line and you have a middle linebacker that knows what's going on and can – Retroactively, also change the plays defensively and gets everyone on the same page. I think that's underappreciated nowadays.
1: But it doesn't always fall on the middle linebacker. Ed Reed. Well, no, same he defense. never had that. Ray Lewis had that responsibility. Ray, Ed Reed might have controlled some of it. Don't get me wrong. That man is a tremendous NFL football player, uh, or was, and thank God he's a Hall of Famer because he's absolutely deserving of it. But uh, Ray Lewis ran that defense. Um, but, I will say, like is soul Sean Taylor probably controlled that Redskins that defense, so I mean, I think it can fall to other positions, and I mean, I mean either way, but that that's the fun part about this is deciding of, of having that conversation when you're trying to align your budget is just saying, like, what is the most important thing to you is because i I think someone posed this question to me the other day would be. Um, If I were to start a Major League Baseball franchise, and let's say you had, of all the 30 teams out there, you got to control one and you had the first overall pick and we were redrafting for everyone, who would you build a, a franchise around? Would you do it around a position player or would you do it around a pitcher? If you asked me that question in the 1990s, it would have been a Major League pitcher. Today, not a chance. They don't throw complete games. They don't throw the number of innings. There used to be a four-man rotation. There's now a five-man rotation. Uh, the average baseball uh starters going like six innings or five and a two-thirds, whatever the number actually is. But, I mean, like, I remember back to when I first started watching baseball in the early 90s, and I remember watching a game between John Smoltz and Jack Morris, and they, I think they were both pitching in the 10th inning. And, I mean, they could have been like 10,000 and friggin' pitches in. Obviously, it was insane, but you're not you're right the odds of seeing two two pitchers go that far is almost an anomaly at this point so who would i build a franchise around for major league baseball that is that evolution has changed which is imperative to understand that what's important to the budget today isn't going to be important to the budget down the road and in that
0: same respect people value things differently
1: Absolutely. I mean, you've got the person who wants to travel, who might want to rent the home. Their quarterback might not be the mortgage. Their quarterback might be travel, might be a different lifestyle. It just also over time as you work your way up in your career and hopefully making more and more money, obviously the mortgage becomes a smaller and smaller component to the overall budget. It still might be the quarterback, but the quarterback you need to lead the team is now completely different. Um so, uh, well, how do you want to kind of wrap this up? I know we've talked about positions. We've talked about um, different organizations, different uh, sports, and when it comes to the world of finance and sports, but how can you tie this all together?
0: I just want to wrap this up by telling all the listeners to try and have this type of enthusiasm towards their personal finances because we sat here and talked about this for 45 minutes. So we're looking at the clock, and I don't feel like this is a normal conversation that, adults have.
1: It's the longest shot cock ever. <laughs> um, yeah, well I, well, I think the most important thing is find a way to have the conversation. Even if you're a listener out there that's not the most passionate about sports, hopefully you obviously are. You're probably not listening if you're not. <laughs> you were tuned out after the dad joke. <laughs> yeah, I lost him after that. <laughs> um, but I would say is... The first place you got to start is obviously the conversation just to sit down. I, I, I think it's very much for most people. It's like going to the gym. It's like once they do it, they realize the value in it. They realize they need to do it and they can do it. The question is how many times can you remain motivated to keep going back to updating the budget, to making sure you're on pace with the budget. And the interesting thing is, I will say it does get easier. The hardest thing to do is design it and build it from the from the get-go.
0: Like everything else in life, it's a
1: disciplined effort. hmm And whatever whatever floats your boat, whatever motivates you to continue to create that budget um, and then continue to modify the budget, just find the will within you. And I think in life, you'll probably be much better off in the long run.
0: But in the meantime, we're going to find some more ideas so we can figure out how to talk shit about sports and, and <laughs> mix it into personal finance.
1: <laughs> yep. So until next time, uh, you guys have fun and... Uh, uh, Don't share your budgets online. (laughs) Unfiltered
2: Underdogs is a podcast for sports fans and financial fanatics alike. The purpose is to educate and entertain listeners. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell investments.